God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. Here's a, a little how'd bit like of... The time, uh, how'd you like the timing on that? I, I'm just thinking a little incongruent there between the French Bowie, Oh Sacred Head Now Wounded, and The Gong. It's it, kind of like The Gong Show. It could be worse. This is true. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, you sound fine. I sound strange to me. I'm trying to figure out why. By the way, I'm Craig D'Onofrio. Who are you? I remain Bill Swirla. There you go. Here, th- You're this, that guy. Th- this could be, th- we, we could go down this road instead. What do you think? Um, bit much. Mm, bit, bit much for the. I, uh, you know, I'm. The, I like the, it. The, 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 I, I think the kids can dance to it. The, it's got the, a great beat. The listening audience not ready for this. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. I had to take it to the key mod. The key change. You gotta yeah. you gotta love the key change there. It is these are the, the stylings of um, Chris Lemker. Uh, we, we, I, I, I don't want to wear out my welcome. It, on it's one. only been like two thousand years. It's too soon. It's too soon. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> that's, that, that's good. <laughs> Well, a blessed Holy Thursday, a.k.a. Mondi Thursday. Indeed, also to you. You know where the Mondi comes from? I do. Where? Mandatum. For? Mandate. For? For the, the institution, the mandate of the ah, Lord's Supper that wrong, Jesus wrong, wrong grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So Nagel lied to me? No, Nagel didn't lie to you. Nagel, you, you, weren't, you weren't paying attention. The mandatum dei is the new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. That's what it's. That's what it's. The upper room discourse from John. That's the that's the traditional gospel for Monday Thursday. So not, it is not from the Greek diatheke. No, <laughs> it is not from the Greek diatheke. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's I don't know. testamentum. I'm, that's where we. I know. That's I know. where that's, we go. That's the covenant and testament. That's where we go. Testamentum thing. on that. Um, no, no, this no, is. It's, 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 no, it's, I'm saying it's. It's not from the do this in remembrance of me thing. The, no, the it, it's. It's from the. It's from the foot washing and the example of Jesus and the new commandment that He gives that you love one another as I have loved you. So why do you hate Jesus? <laughs> why do I? Yeah, I don't. Why? Why? Why do you, you ask? Lie. Why do you keep sinning? Why? <laughs> well, that's See, I that's got you in a corner that's there. just old Adam. <laughs> that's just, that's just, according to my old Adam, I I guess I do hate Jesus, but according to the new man in Christ, I I love Jesus, and uh, being in Christ, I want to serve Him and do as He did. So I'm torn. I'm conflicted. It's a yeah. Romans. It's a Romans seven sort of experience, isn't it? That darn simul gets you every This time. business of being simul is not easy going, I'm telling you. Um, 
Yeah, the, the question on Maundy Thursday. You know what? Speaking among of, many, of is, the is, Maundy, I, I do yeah. recall that now that you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, I, now, I yeah I was looking up those notes, the dusting off those old notes. No, it, it slipped my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always thinking okay. mandatum of you've the got institution. A, you've got a lot to think about today, being a radio personality. I do. Uh-huh. I do, actually. I've, I've got... Uh, Actually, my other program's pre-recorded already. So oh, so this, this is it. You're done. I'm going to the post office to pick up my drone. <laughs> my Your what? My drone, my little quadcopter with a camera that I'm going to terrify Rufus with. Seriously, you, 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 you have a drone? Yeah, they've come, they've come down How much price, are those? Like 50 bucks. I want one. Where'd you get it? Uh, <laughs> I got it on Amazon. It's highly rated. No kidding. I can't, li- I, I, I really. I want. I want to like terrify the cats with this. I want. In fact, I want to survey the cats while I'm gone. Well, I'll give you a review on this one. It's highly rated. It's fifty, yeah. sixty bucks. The only problem is, I didn't realize when I ordered it, it comes on the slow boat from China. Oh, oh, and oh! It's taken like two and a half months to get here. Oh, good luck with that. I, 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 <laughs> I made the mistake once of ordering an iPad adapter. I thought I'd save a few bucks. I got it for like twelve fifty off of Amazon, uh, whereas it was normally like about thirty five or forty from Apple. Yeah, big mistake. Um, I have never seen anything get so hung in shipment. And then I'm getting these false leads. We tried to deliver, but there right. was nobody there. No, there wasn't. There was no notice at the door. That's what I got too. But that was the USPS. I was a postal. Service. You know, I'm suspicious. Wait, wait, wait. The, this was supposed to be USPS as well. And They're then, in cahoots with the Chinese. And then I get a tracking. It's a communist organization. I get a tracking number, and I find out. <laughs> and then I'm watching it go from the City of Commerce to, and then it's stuck in Los Angeles. Somewhere. I don't live anywhere near Los Angeles, and and I live. I live within a mile and a half from a major regional postal center. Uh-huh. So now I'm getting suspicious that this is not really what it appears to be. So finally, I just went through the Amazon portal and said, refund, please. It was like literally two and a half months and nothing, nothing. And I'm getting these, please, please, please give us, give us a little bit more time. You know, <laughs> no, you know, it, for all I know, it's stuck in a shipping crate in Long Beach. Yeah. You know, well, but, the, the the odd thing about this is, you know, Hazelwood, Missouri is all of uh, 15 miles away from where I live or right. so. Took three days to get from Hazelwood to Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, like, no, three, I could walk it in. I'm, I'm deeply suspicious, Craig. <laughs> this is this this exactly parallels my experience. But I called the post office. They said they have it. Oh. and uh, they're open till seven. So, oh, OK, I, you know. I never really did follow up with the post office. I was just so disgusted with the whole transaction. I said, "I said refund." It was it was just an HDMI adapter for my iPad, which yeah. I don't even know why I wanted the thing because I don't do any any interface I do with a with an HDMI TV is uh, wireless through Apple TV. So what what do I even need a cable for? You know, everything else is VGA. When or, you travel or something, nobody's using it. HDMI. It's all VGA, right? Yeah, pretty uh, much. So. All right. Well, listen, hey, it's it, you want to do some uh, housekeeping and then we'll get down sure, to the God Maundy Whispers, Thursday Holy Week business. This is the this God is Whispers solid. Skype hotline. Yeah. Area code 626. Uh-oh. What's the matter? I'm trying to I'm getting all of a sudden I'm getting my cell phone mixed up with the uh, Manly Doctors. Oh, anyway, it spells Manly Doctors right 13. Manly Durs 13. I think you're losing your edge. Are, are you taking your Centrum 50 plus vitamin? I think it's the fact that I'm only eating like a thousand calories a day. Oh, that's right. You're you're on some kind of like really weird medically supervised. Um, you know you know the situation I'm in right now. Speaking of weight. I know you're I, gonna. I can't. Pop off about I can't stop. I can't stop losing weight. It's kind of scary. I, it, it keeps going down, and I'm eating like a horse now. I'm starting to worry. Maybe there's a medical condition underlying this or something like that. But I'll tell you, when you burn about a thousand calories a day exercising, well, you can yeah. eat anything you want. That's that's true. If if you're working out like crazy, you know I. I one of the guys who's in charge of this thing, the guy is a trainer, and he works out like a maniac, like three hours a day. Oh, yeah, or something these guys like who that. are trainers, they not only do their own routine, they do everybody else's routine yeah, as well. Yeah, so he, he's like, yeah, I eat like four thousand calories a day, <laughs> yeah, and right. I have a hard time keeping that's the weight right. on. I'm just like, wow. That, that's right. I mean, he goes, he just he snacks on raw meat. You know, I mean, he's just. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Mothership Godwhispers.com. No, dot org. Dot com will work too, but it's slower. Dot org. Godwhispers.org. Um hey, by the way, today, uh without much fanfare, because we're 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 kind of being solemn for Holy Week, but but um this is our three hundredth episode. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I, I may be getting a little verklempt toward the end of the episodes, but but this is, you know, and and this is this is kind of I think typical of the way that God whispers have evolved. I hesitate to use that word, but evolved just means changed. Um, is that we've gotten rather low key about the whole thing? Remember the hundredth when we had the uh, the the excerpted uh, solid gold. Oh yeah, there was there was Brian. quite a bit of hoopla. Brian Brian made up a great great thing for us. Wait, and what happened to the, the to the second hundred? You know, the, the two hundred. I don't know, and program. and then and then this one barely barely took notice. Of course, nobody's listening anymore, and that's that's really kind of I think part of it. Well, that's by design. Yeah, um, and if you want to email us, it's godwhispers at gmail dot com. Uh, we do have a couple of emails, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make a motion here, in the spirit of parliamentary procedure, that we uh, forego the um, mailbag today and uh, and kind of maybe maybe. Here's what I'm thinking. We haven't done a Nagel sermon in a long time. I second the motion and call the question. Oh, All those no, 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 no. You can't call the question. I am because there's the only motion. two of us. Well, hearing no objection, the motion carries. Um, there we go. By, by un- unanimous consent. I, I, taught, I taught my, uh, my, my chairman of my congregation that little piece of procedure. Because, you know, churches are funny. They, they, they know, like two pages of Robert's Rules of Order, and then apply it to everything. And so every everything from, uh, you know, Hydrox versus Oreos, they don't make Hydrox anymore, I, I, I gather, uh, at, the, uh, at the coffee hour, you know, it has to be moved and seconded, discussed, and then voted on. And, and, and this even in small committees where you have four people sitting around a table. And, you know, I point out to my chairman, I said, you know, um, you can simply... Uh, move things along by saying, hearing no objection, the motion carries. And he goes, really? You can do that? I said, yeah. I said, you don't, don't do that in a big group because you really might not hear an objection. But I said, in a group of like the board of directors sitting around a table, you can, somebody wants to be heard, they'll be heard. So, you know, you put something out there and unless you hear an objection, that baby's going. And, uh, and so, so that has streamlined our, our, our meetings like you wouldn't believe. So, just it's all good. That's your that's your par, that's your little parliamentary procedure minute brought to you by the God Whispers. I don't did did we did we take roll to see if we have a quorum? <laughs> yeah. Are you here? <laughs> no, we did in the beginning. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. Oh, Dong. Yeah, I'm Bill point. Swirla. We have a quorum. You know, we're actually we're actually a quorum for church. If we were gathered in the name of Jesus, I'm glad he set his sights low. Two or three gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. I'm glad he didn't say like two or three thousand, or we'd be hosed. Yeah, no, no need to get. We'd all be crazy done. We'd be. Pa- I mean, we'd yeah. be packing up every Sunday. Oh, sorry, not enough people here. Jesus isn't here. Well, we just have fewer regional churches, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. It's a little bit like electoral circuits in the Synod, you know. You don't have enough members to be represented any longer. Okay, whatever. Wasn't that kind of the old parish idea? I mean, you, you know, where you have the parish district kind of like in Louisiana. Yeah, well, parish is more geographic. Right. You know, and, and I think you still see that usage in in Louisiana, where they call right. counties parishes. Uh, but but uh, that's just, that just kind of refers to sort of a geographic boundary. Uh, so, di- yeah, kind of diocese. Diocese, like yeah, that, right. Yeah. But you know, in in America, where you have uh, every every brand under the sun, you know, it's like Baskin Robbins and thirty nine denominations. Uh, uh, yeah, and our our town Hacienda Heights is a very religious town. We, we got two Mormon churches I, or stakes. One's a stake, one's a ward. I can't tell the two apart. I don't know what they are. Um, but we've got everything: Buddhist temple, the whole thing. But we're very religious people here, and uh, everything is represented. So the, the the whole notion, even amongst the Christians, the whole notion of a a parish boundary or that it's completely irrelevant, or it would only be a few hundred square feet, you know. But it's just not working. So I'm looking back at the 200th episode. Yeah, October 16th, 2012, free will and dragon fruit. 
Oh, nice. Is the title. You know, I'm yeah. I, I'm a little bit behind on the the website uh, in terms of the summary, the synopses. Yeah, no pictures, which, which no are synopses. which are well, the pictures were long gone. I don't have time for that. Uh, but uh, the the synopses are lovingly provided by our MDDDDD. Uh, Tabitha Moldenauer, uh, she she kind of just sends the, uh, the the quick summaries of those things, and I, I've been remiss in putting them up. But I've I've, I've got a new inspiration for the episodes. I'm giving them one word titles. So you've outsourced the. Uh... I outsourced the synopsis. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't abide listening to myself. <laughs> so uh, I don't mind see. listening to myself live, but but recorded, it's too much for me. I just we can't. need titles for two ninety one through ninety eight. Yeah. And but, you did the green eggs and ham for the last. Yeah, that's kind of that. That yeah, broke the pattern time. before I established it. But I, I've been watching Mind of a Chef. Uh, I've been binge watching that in the evenings. And uh, all the episodes have one-word titles, and I'm kind of in. I'm kind of intrigued by the idea, so I'm thinking of giving each of our episodes just one-word titles. Once again, more proof that originality is the enemy of. Well, the God whispers. Originality is derivative. It's always derivative. Hey, the phone's ringing. Someone from six three six area code. No, that's no, local. no, no, no. Maybe, maybe that's you the don't have a post screener. office calling me back. Yeah, that could be. See if you're drone. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. Hey, uh, give me a clock uh, reading here. How much time do we have? Oh, we've got about uh, eight minutes and thirty seconds. Let's uh, launch. Let's launch uh, Doctor Norman Nagel, shall we? Yes. Uh, now I have to apologize in advance. The audio quality is a little sketchy here, but I had to boost the volumes. So be prepared. Here we go. All right. ...of Jesus alone. They just don't get it. The way they think things should go gets pushed aside. Last Wednesday, the Twelve were amazed as Jesus strode on ahead like the Shekinah going up to Jerusalem. What that might mean was surely something to be avoided. True indeed, Jesus leaves them in no doubt of that. Even so, it might still turn out the way they wanted it to. Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. That was the request put by James and John, who got in first ahead of the others, which made the others mad. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. He made it quite clear that they are not going to get to run the show their way. That's not what is going on with him. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. It's his life that is the ransom. There's nothing of their doing in that. It's all his, only his. And we are told of his passion as his alone. Every attempt to fit it into somebody else's program or control falls to the ground just as they did in Gethsemane when Jesus said, I am he. So it was with Judas and those who came with him of the temple guards. Jesus asked that those who were with him might go, leaving him alone. But Peter thought to help Jesus out and defended him as the sort of Jesus Peter wanted him to be. He sliced off Malchus's ear. Jesus told him to put his sword away. A sword has nothing to do with what he is doing, what he moves toward, pushing away anything and anyone who would deflect him from that or fit him to something else, to somebody else's plan. There are those who have seen something like that going on with Judas. Today's Gospel tells us that one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. What's it worth to betray Jesus? You should know you have given some answers to that question. But hardly 30 pieces of silver, unless Jesus, unless Judas is just another common money grubber. 
The aria in the great St. Matthew Passion brings us to the confession, Ich bin's. It is I. The depth of Judas' sin and ours. The sin of taking over from God or attempting to help him along with the help we think he needs. In this way, we may see Judas as acting for Jesus, pushing him into the big action, forcing his hand to do Messiah in the best Messiah way. Yet we are told what we are told in a way that resists every attempt of ours to fit it to our explanations, questions, expectations, to fit a usable Jesus into our plans and pieties. All through Lent, the gradual has been calling, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and protector of our faith. What's our faith? But only Jesus. Follow close, therefore, attending only to him. He's doing it. And at every step along the way through Lent, we are amazed. He does beyond the reach of any attempt of ours to explain or get control or bend to our purposes. Judas does what Judas does, why Judas does it, which brings Jesus on his way to giving his life a ransom for many. In Gethsemane, Jesus reaches to Judas that Judas might be spared doing such a thing. In the depths of John, Jesus bids him to do it. Then, in the rest of today's gospel, what is going on? Some sort of password? I don't know. No sweat, there's no doubt. Jesus does. We may let him get on with it. A Passover like one there's never been before. If a family celebration, then why isn't his mother there? Only the twelve. And he knocks out of them any notion of theirs to be celebrating. From them, the betrayer, one of you. Can't be me. Surely not I, Lord. Then there's the business of dipping in the bowl. Lent has been pushing back every attempt to interfere, to get some piece of the action for me, to fit Jesus to making me a bit nicer chap, to fit Jesus to our explanations, goals, programs and expectations. Don't get in the way of his being your saviour. The only saviour he is is the way he does it. Just stand clear. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And when he has done it all, then he arranges his way of his giving it all into you. Take and eat, this is my true body, of our Lord Jesus Christ, given into death for your sins. Take and drink, this is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. In the name Whoa. of Jesus, <laughs> it, we're going to hear another one. <laughs> it it always it always jumps to the next one. Yes, Sorry about yes, that. yes. <laughs> there you go, vintage Nagel. I don't know when that was preached. I remember parts of that. All right, you know, I mean, he uses phrases as every preacher does uh, uses phrases over again. But um, I, I remember bits and pieces of that. The, the Judas thing is intriguing. Uh, Judas, uh, the the idea that Judas is pushing Jesus to be his kind of Messiah, kind of get yeah. on, get on with the revolution, the jihad. Let's get going here. Hey, uh, let's let's take a break there, and when we come back, we'll talk about Judas and all of this cool. stuff, shall we? So we'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to the God Whispers, the uh, stylings of Fred Bowie. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Why didn't that go off? I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't inspire confidence. I'm Bill Swirla, and I don't know why my soundboard isn't working. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's weird. I'll do that for you. That's weird. Yeah. So, anyway, w- when we left off, we were listening to a sermon from Dr. Norman Nagel. We were. And uh, you brought up something very interesting that... Uh, yeah, Nagel suggests that perhaps Judas was acting to try to help Jesus, in a sense. That uh, maybe he actually believed so much in Jesus as the Messiah that he was trying to force him into being a Messiah. Oh, here's what was... <laughs> you know, William, move your head! <laughs> I had to solve that problem. Um it, it's it's interesting that that you can tell that Nagel is very aware of the contemporary commentaries on on these texts that he preached. You see this all the time, or you hear this all the time in, in Nagel sermons. Is that he makes allusions to things that, that reminds you he is very very aware of what current scholarship is saying and what the current thinking is. Um, and he incorporates it. He doesn't engage in, in some kind of classroom uh, debate or discussion, but, but when it's useful to him, he incorporates this. Uh, and then, but then he sort of dismisses it, too, as we really don't know why Judas did these things. Uh, the explanation that we get uh, in some of the accounts is that, that the devil had put it into, into him. But uh, even there... What's the devil's agenda? The devil's agenda is to subvert the cross. Everybody thinks that that the devil wants Jesus dead. You know that that somehow crucified Jesus is the devil's victory. It's the devil's defeat. Um, and unless you subscribe to the sort of the fish ho- fish hook theory, you know that uh, Christ dangled his death out, and uh, the devil took it, and and then like a fish who swallowed the bait. He's nailed, you know, uh, but but it seems to me that that throughout the the gospel narrative, uh, the devil would like Jesus to be some other son of God than a crucified son of God, because mm. because I, I he knows he knows what this means, and and so so um, and even when Jesus is on the cross, what are they yelling at him? They're saying, you know, save yourself. If you're the Messiah, come down from the cross and save us and save yourself. Well, the irony is that if he saved, if he came down from the cross and saved himself, he couldn't save us, or we wouldn't be saved. So, so there's there's all of that going on. But but Nagel takes this observation about Judas that some commentators are making that perhaps Judas uh, his intentions may be quote unquote good. They're not malicious. He's not he's not. Um, it, betraying is 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 the word that's used, but he's not doing this maliciously. He's he's kind of advancing the program. It's like okay, we, you know, <laughs> Jesus is dawdling here. Let's get this. Let's get this show on the road. Let's get the authorities out. Uh, you know, let's 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 get this happening. Uh, what happens in the garden? Peter Peter draws a sword. He's armed, hmm. and and he cuts off the the ear of Malchus's servant. And and uh, and G- Jesus has to reprimand Peter for using force, you know. The, 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 in other words, the, this is not my kind of holy war. I, I don't do holy war with a sword. It, it, it's interesting how God has set up how things work. You know, He set up the sacrificial system, and this is how things work. Uh, but we always want to circumvent the way that God works. And so as you're saying this about Judas and and the, and Peter also, uh, you know, we want to do things our way instead of God's ways. And, and so we see also a, a little bit of this in the tempting in the wilderness as the devil's trying to get Jesus to do it a different way than the cross. Exactly. Right? Just, just bow down. Just you know what? All this can be yours. I'll, I'll give up. Just bow down and, and worship. That, that's right. That, that's right. You want the kingdom? Here's a shortcut. 
Yeah, you don't you don't have to go to that cross. That, that's that's just ugly. Or I, I like I like uh, Capon's take on that. It's it's like it's like a deal. It's like uh, look, Jesus, um, it, look what we got here. You know, I've got the power in the street smarts, and and you got your thing going. You and me together. I mean, just imagine what we could accomplish here. You know. Yeah. And and, and G- Jesus is uh, no, you don't test the Lord your God. Um, but it it's all an attempt to subvert the cross. And so I think this fits into this kind of whole cloth of of the way of Jesus' baptism, the way of his mission, the way of his coming as the son of the virgin is to be crucified and to rise from the dead. Death and resurrection is his way. And um, I think the devil knows quite clearly that this is the way it's going to go, and he tries every trick in the book to get it not to happen. Hmm. And... Um, and Judas, I think, is kind of part of this this whole messianic thing. Uh, I said on Palm Sunday, I've said this before, that, that this is a dangerous crowd that's shouting Hosanna, waving palm branches, tossing coats in the road, welcoming the king. You know, David is coming to his, his Jerusalem. Uh, this is the start of holy war. Uh, this, is, this is it. Uh, what are the disciples arguing over? Who's going to be in power, sitting at Jesus' right and left when he comes into his kingdom? <laughs> There's an irony. Who's at his right and his left when he comes into his kingdom? Two thieves. Mm. Uh, you know, you want to be at his right and his left. It's going to cost you. You're going to be crucified. You're going to be nailed to a cross. Uh, and so all of this. And so Judas has this notion, as they probably all do, that uh, Jesus is a, a a revolutionary kind of Messiah. And and so what better way to bring the authorities out than to cut a deal with them? Maybe even. Maybe even thinking I've hoodwinked them out of thirty pieces of silver, because <laughs> Jesus will get out of this. You know, man, he's got the power. So they're going to come, and this whole thing is going to just blow up in their face. And I'm thirty. I'm thirty uh, pieces of silver richer. Uh, he, and and then he sees what happens. Because when does he go back to the the high priest? When when does he go back try to give the money back? When Jesus is arrested and taken away and beaten, and it's like this isn't working. It didn't work. And now he's filled with remorse. So, you know, this this whole scenario kind of fits. But admittedly, it's an inductive conclusion from the little bits of evidence that the the, the narrative gives you or the narrative gaps leave you. And I love what Nagel does with that. It, after exploring it, then he goes, well, never mind all that. <laughs> Judas does what Judas does. Why ever Judas does it? <laughs> so, but the but then the important thing is that Jesus does what Jesus does, and he does it for your salvation. So look to him. Don't be preoccupied with Judas or anything else in this narrative. You look to Jesus, who's looking to the cross to save you. What what a great what a great way to do that. And that I think is just vintage Norman Nagel. This 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 is how the the good professor preached. Yeah, he, I remember there are certain things that he he said both in sermons and in the class that really really stick with you. Like only Jesus can be Jesus the way that he's Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it sounds like gibberish, but the more you think about it, the more profound it is. It, I, that's I, true, I, and 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 it's and it's simply saying. That Jesus doesn't do his being a Messiah the way that we would expect or even want him to, but he does it the way that he needs to do it, and it's always for our salvation. The the other thing that is is I think characteristic Nagel in in preaching is this this it's the it's an observation that can be found in the uh, larger catechism, uh, the third article. On, on this whole na- notion of sanctification in the catechism, which is not about good works, but it's about our being made holy in the holiness of Christ. It's about justification applied. And so, so uh, Luther talks about how all of this that has gone on, Jesus' death and resurrection, would avail nothing if it was not preached, that it, it has to be offered and administered and applied to the sinner. And so you have the objective fact of Christ for all on the cross, and you have then the subjective reality of Christ for you in word and sacrament. And so, or as Luther put it, you know, I, I don't go to the cross to be forgiven. There my forgiveness was won. 
but I go to the sacrament, there the forgiveness of sins is delivered. And and that's how that's how Nagel ended that sermon. That you know, not only does Jesus do it the way Jesus does it, but then he arranges to give it the way only Jesus can give, and that is uh, take this bread and eat it. This is my body. Take this cup and drink it. This is my blood. Perfect place to end on Maundy Thursday at the table with the body and the blood. So we have Maundy Thursday here. And, of course, I, I think we also need to delve into the Lord's Supper a little bit. Uh, very appropriate, as this is the day that our Lord Jesus Christ gave it to us that we're celebrating. And so I, I guess, you know, one of the questions that people would ask is, why did he do it this way? Is, is this a <laughs> Passover thing or, or what's going on here? The, uh, I, I think the Nagel sermon would, would address that. Uh, Jesus does it why ever Jesus does it. Uh, he's, he's the Lord. He can do whatever he wants, why ever he wants to. Uh, if he chooses to explain it, then, then so be it. If he doesn't, then we have to acknowledge that we're speculating and so a lot of this is our speculation. The fact is that he appears to have used the Passover as the vehicle for this, which makes sense since the Passover is an everlasting ordinance. So, you know, there's no sort of idea that, oh, it's expired, it's canceled now, but it, it finds its continuation and its fulfillment in the body and blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You heard that in the Nagel Sermon, such a Passover there never was before in the sense that Jesus said words never heard at a Passover table before. This is my body, this is my blood. You did, you did, there were no words with the distribution of the bread. There were no words with the distribution of the cup. You, you just said you prayed, you gave thanks, but then they were just distributed. But Jesus adds something. Now, how can he do that? He's the Lord. It's the Lord's Passover. <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. Uh, there's certainly continuity, thematic. You know, I mean, lamb. What's the Passover? It's it's the blood of the Lamb, the freedom of Israel, uh, the Exodus, uh, the Passover, solidarity with with Israel. You 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 literally are part of Israel in the eating of the Passover. Uh, it's your night. This is the night that we walked into freedom. We you know walked through the blood of the Lamb. We left Egypt. So all of that kind of you know comes together in in uh, in the Passover and and its fulfillment the Lord's Supper certainly there but it's not it, it's implicit it's not explicit you know one of the things that I think is really important when we see both the institution of holy baptism and the Lord's Supper is that we're created physical beings we aren't just spiritual beings we can't discern spiritual things very easily we can't see them and so the Lord he, he incorporates our senses in giving his gifts so that I, I think so that we might know for sure that this is for us. Um, do, do you think that there's a lot more to it than just that? Why there's this physical element? Well, yeah, I mean, we're creatures and God comes to us in a creaturely way. Uh, the, the epitome, that's the incarnation. He, he became one of us, <laughs> you know, right. Not only does God love material, he made it. Uh, I, I, I was, I was cringe when I hear the evils of materialism, you know, God loves material. Um, not the worship of material, but uh, well, you know, yeah, I think that when people talk about materialism, that's what they're talking about is is worshiping the material. It, yeah, of, of course, but you have to be kind of careful that, especially in this Gnostic age, where where things spiritual are things immaterial in the minds of many people. Yeah, but uh, God always works through means. God, because we're creatures, we can't transcend the material of our our bodies, uh, and and nor should we try. But instead, uh, God himself takes on a body. The Son of God becomes man, takes on our flesh, and deals with us in the flesh. So he baptizes us with water. It's a creaturely element. He, uh, he gives us his body and blood to eat and to drink as bread and wine. So again, it's a creaturely element. And there's, there's lots of good sort of quote-unquote metaphor to that, uh, you know, in terms of bread being the bread of affliction, Genesis 3. Manna in the wilderness, all of this. Jesus connects some of that in John 6 with the bread of life. Uh, but, you know, at, at the bottom, at the core is what you're saying, that, that he, he gives us these heavenly spiritual gifts in the form of creaturely earthly food, because that's what we are. We're creatures. And, uh, and, and so 
uh, you know, he deals with us spiritually through bread, wine, water, words. It's an amazing thing. Uh, coming from the fundagelical world that I came from, everything was hyper-spiritual, and it, it was really Gnostic, you know, the separation of of the spirit from the flesh and, and this sort of thing. And, and so there there wasn't even an understanding of the bodily resurrection, that we would be raised bodily. Um, the, there was a lot of confusion on that. And so you... You'd get pastors saying, oh, this, this body's just an envelope for the soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the there, idea there that the go. soul is good and the body's evil. There you go. Yeah, or, or that, that Christ is somehow, quote-unquote, spiritually present uh, in, in the Lord's Supper, which is okay, providing what you mean is that there are things, there's, there's something in the Lord's Supper that you cannot discern. It has to be taught to you by the Spirit through the Word. You know, Word and Spirit always go together. Where the Word is, there the Spirit is at work. Where the Spirit's working, there the Word is being preached. So how do you know this bread is the body of Christ? The Word says so. It's the only way you'd know. There's no right. other way. Right. So so in that sense, it is spiritual. That it is, It's a gift that transcends uh, the bread itself and the wine itself. However, uh, it's not some sort of separate thing. Uh, you know, these like like our catechism. The catechism says it's it's the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ under the bread and wine. You know, get to the large catechism. It's it's uh, in and under the bread and wine. Get to the formula of Concord. It's in with and under. You know, keep piling on the prepositions as many as you want. You can't get it unlocated. It, it's it's located in with under whatever the bread and the wine of that supper on that altar for your mouth. And uh, I think that's really the, that's the gist of it. It's the for you. Right. Christ and, for all is nice to know about. Christ for me is essential. And and that's that's why I love so much the physicality of, of these sacraments, is that when I'm the one who gets wet and the pastor says words over me, there's no doubt that it's for me. You know, when when the bread and wine is placed in my hand or in my mouth, there's no doubt that it's for me. When it's spiritual, it could be for the guy in front of you, behind you, beside you, everyone but you. And, and so that for you is what's so wonderful about it all. You know, I, ironically, unless they're radically Bardian, uh, most of what you call fundagelicals will agree with all of that if you're talking about the Bible, that's the huh. that's the one creaturely means. It's the one physical material thing that they seem to acknowledge is something more than what it appears to be. You know, but, it is the word of God. Not it becomes the word of God when you believe it or whatever, but you know, they they hold up their floppy bible and that that is the word of God even though it was made by hands and a printing press and all of that. Even beyond that, in a lot of circles, especially the charismatic circles, they won't say it like this, but it is actually a word of God, because God can also speak to you without means yeah. uh, in, well, there's in the, the charismatic world. Right. There's the crack in the door. Is but, right. but, but they won't deny that the Bible is the word of God, right? Well, except when it's really inconvenient. <laughs> no, no. It's, you know, the Bible says this, the Bible says that. I have a yeah, verse, yeah, yeah. But I have a you... verse for you, and uh, uh, we may be torturing what the Bible says, but there's this sense that God has spoken, and these written words on a printed page in a leatherette cover, this is the Word of God. Uh, and so at least to that extent, uh, we'll acknowledge that God uses material means, but it's, it's like, well, far be it from him to use water and bread and wine, that, that, no, you know, or the mouth of a preacher to absolve your sins. Yeah, that couldn't be. Well, it's the word of God, except when he says crazy things like, this is my body and this is my blood and baptism now f saves you and, and these sorts of things. Then it's just kind of the word of God, or it's figuratively the word of God in that sense, you know, where Jesus... He didn't really mean it like that. Well, yeah, that's how you kind of shirk out of that. Hey, I have a I have a little Luther excerpt on the yeah. sacrament for Maundy Thursday. This is from a sermon on the worthy reception of the holy and true body of Christ. I don't have a date for that, but I have suspicions it's an earlier version of Luther. But uh, here goes. Anyone who wishes to receive the holy sacrament must offer to God Almighty an empty, single, and hungry soul. Therefore, it is most fitting when the soul is least fit, which means when the soul feels altogether wretched, poor, 
and devoid of grace. It is most receptive for God's grace and least fitted to receive it. But then the soul must endeavor to come to the sacrament with perfect faith or with all the faith possible and most firmly believing that she will receive grace. She referring to soul there. For man receives as much as he believes he will receive. Interesting line from Luther. A man Hmm. receives as much as he believes he will receive. Therefore, faith alone is the best and highest preparation. That's consistent with the catechism. Who alone is worthy and well-prepared? He who has faith in these words given and shed for you. Your hungry heart must build upon these words, and you must trust in the promise of the divine truth and in the Spirit. Go to the sacrament, imploring God and saying, Lord, it is true that I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof. Yet I am needy and eager for thy help and grace, and I too may be God, that I too may be godly. Thus I come with no plea, but that I have heard sweet words, namely that thou dost invite me to thy table. Dear Lord, thy word is true, I do not doubt it. In that faith I eat and I drink with thee. May it be done to me according to thy will and thy words. Amen. That is to come worthily to the sacrament. Hmm. Now, Luther is speaking to a, maybe a slightly different age. I'm not sure people worry about worthiness any longer, though maybe some tender consciences might. But in his day, people were obsessed with this notion they weren't worthy to come to the sacrament. They'd come to church, but they wouldn't approach the sacrament. They wouldn't receive it. And so so he's talking there. And that's what I think the, the catechism is addressing, is, is that, you know, do you trust those words for you, given and shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins? You know, if the answer is yes, then come. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. It, a lot of people still, even to this day, say, "Well, I, I won't, I won't go to church because uh, I'm afraid a bolt of lightning would hit me." You know how <laughs> how awful I am. Kind Wait, of. Why aren't we afraid of that bolt of lightning when you know we're at the grocery store or maybe out in the middle of the street in a thunderstorm? You know, I mean, <laughs> well, because somehow they actually get the locatedness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that you're you're going to be any safer in church, right? But, but let me put it this way: if a bolt of lightning hits you as you're receiving the sacrament, you couldn't be safer. <laughs> it's it's like the disciples with Jesus in the boat, and the boat sinking. You know, wake up, we're perishing. You know, well, even if they went down, they're safe. The Lord's going down with them. This is most certainly true. Yeah, that's odd. People will excommunicate themselves. Yeah. Uh, they'll bristle at the notion that, uh, you know, a pastor or a fellow Christian might rebuke their sin, but they'll, they'll excommunicate themselves, and nobody judges you more harshly than you and your conscience. That's true. There is no harsher judge than that inner, that inner conscience, that judge that is constantly accusing or making excuses, St. Paul says in Romans. And uh, <laughs> so you're afraid to talk to the pastor? You're afraid to talk to a fellow Christian about this? Uh, that voice in your head is far, far worse than anything anybody's going to say to you from the outside. And, you know, here's the good news. The church is there to forgive. You know, the, there are those, though, that will judge you because you aren't living the kind of Christian life that they think you should be living. Like like if you smoke or drink. Yeah, but that's just making or, that's making up sins. Deal with some real yeah, ones. But I I'm just saying, you know, there there is also a harsh judgment that doesn't even exist in the Bible, which does a lot of a lot of confusing of people, really. That's that's about all that it's good for is to confuse people. I think when it comes to the sacrament, I think Ambrose sort of nailed it when he says, I go to the supper because I sin. One of my favorite quotes. <laughs> you know, it's like that. Well, that pretty much that 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 sort of ends that discussion right there, doesn't it? I think you said I sin much or often or yeah, always yeah, yeah. or something like that. But still, yeah. What what remedy do you have for sin besides the the body given into death for your sins, the blood shed, the life of the Son of God for your sins? It, it's blood's for atonement. This atones for your sins, and He's giving it for you to eat and to drink as your food and drink, so you know with all certainly that it's for you, not for the guy next to you or the guy down the street. It's for you. Uh, I, I can't think of a higher, more precious and holy gift. And it's the first thing that we, we, we shy away from when we sin. We ought to be running to the sacrament when we sin. Well, and that's, that's part of the problem is a lot of people, as you say, self-excommunicate because they think that, uh, well, I'm involved with some bad stuff and I, I shouldn't shouldn't show up. You know, if you show up to church and and you're a drug addict and you're still half high from the night before or even that morning, maybe 
if you're actually really feeling sorry for those sins, you actually need to be at the Lord's table. Maybe that's the place where you finally hear those words of forgiveness and receive it in your hand and in your mouth and say, hey, you know what? I'm forgiven. I don't need this other stuff as much as I thought that I did. Maybe it's time for me to get into rehab and get rid of this or something. Yeah, I mean, the the rehab part is kind of, that's that's kind of in your hands. Um, right. The the sin before God is completely out of your hands. And the two go together. We live before God and before men. So before men, deal with what you got to deal with. Uh, before God, uh, there's there's nothing you can do. You can you can kick your your habit, or you can you can free yourself or be freed from your addiction, and you still remain a sinner before God. Sure. Uh, in fact, uh, my experience is sometimes people who feel the temporal consequences of their sin have a more profound sense of their sinfulness than those who don't. You know, those who basically are getting away with it. Hmm. I, I remember Corby saying something like that. God forbid that the murderer should get away with murder. <laughs> what a harsh judgment that is. Right. You know? Right. I think that a lot of uh, prison conversions are, are pretty genuine because I don't know how you get much lower than that. Yeah. And uh, well, a lot of times when, when you actually hit bottom, you discover, hey, you know what? I really do need a savior. It, it fits Luther. Anybody who wishes to receive the sacrament must offer to God Almighty an empty, single, and hungry soul. Uh, you know, we're, that was Luther's penned last words. I don't know if you ever said them, but you know, we're all beggars. Uh, you you come empty, hungry, thirsty, offering nothing, receiving everything, and that's what the Lord's looking for. You know, he's looking for emptiness to fill. He's looking for sin to forgive. He's looking for the dead to raise. Uh, he's not looking for successful or victorious or any of that stuff. Um, the, you know, the only victory there is in God's eyes is is the Good Friday victory. It is finished. Well, I can't think of a better place to finish the program than there with the words, it is finished. <laughs> also for the show. <laughs> anyway. This is in honor of Good Friday as we head on out. Oh, we'll no. We'll catch you next time. Always look on the right side of life. If life seems really rough, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. 